0: Coming to you, undead from the crypt. This is Adelaide Horror Podcast. Adelaide Horror Podcast with Zombie Joe. and welcome to the Adelaide Horror Podcast This is your host, Zombie Joe And today's episode is number 21 And I've called it the ISO slash lockdown special Because that's exactly what happened uh, to us So I'm going to be reviewing the net, both Netflix films uh, Classic Horror Story and Blood Red Sky So a little bit about what happened uh, We're in the middle of a lockdown at the moment here in Adelaide uh, Just for like a week uh, we're gonna be coming out of it uh tomorrow midnight which is good so everything semi back on Wednesday in the meantime however um, we were close to a one of the exposure sites and so we had to go into isolation ourselves so the, the whole fan anyway so all good uh we' we're, we're All coming out negative on that one, so that's good and uh, no no dramas there. So um, it's given us plenty of time to do stuff around the house and uh, watch movies and enjoy our time together. So while little one's been asleep, uh, giving myself a break from play school in the Wiggles, um, (laughs) I've been watching horror films. So uh, yeah, I checked out a classic horror story and the Blood Red Sky uh, film, both foreign movies. Classic Horror Stories from Italy and Blood Red Sky is a German film. Both were so impressive that I was like, I have to review these two films. There's just no way I can't. So I was in two minds. Do I split them up into two episodes and do a German special and do an Italian special? Which I'll be doing anyway, but I thought, nah, I'm just going to try and theme it and that theme is the iso lockdown so this is um everyone's at home uh netflicking it uh so yeah. uh checking out horror films on netflix so that's exactly what i did so i decided to review both films because i really enjoyed both of these movies and i've already gone online to try and get a dvd version of these for sure for my collection because they are phenomenal these two movies have literally um in past episodes i've talked about the movie blood uh blood vessel which is an australian film also about vampires on a warship sent in wartime that's part of the war special episode a couple of episodes back so check that one out uh, that one impressed me so much mid-film, I was like, I've got to own this on DVD. That's, it's, it's rare for me to be like that. So that's, I don't know, you can take that as a good guarantee that the film is good. Um, that Haunt from last year was a really great Halloween movie. I uh, really enjoyed it. Got midway through, said, I've got to own this film. And then, yeah, that was and Sweetheart as well, the uh, creature from the, um, on the island. Uh, where the girl survived a, a boating or a boating accident and uh, was then stalked at nighttime by this creature that came out of the ocean. I thought that movie was phenomenal. Midway through that movie, I was like, I've got to own this on DVD. So, Classic Horror Story and Blood Red Sky had that effect on me. Um, so, yeah, phenomenal. Two phenomenal films. So, I'm going to review those, go through the films, like the video vlog of this. Um, won't go into deep spoilers. I dodge the plot twists um, because there's a lot of them. Both of these movies start out as one film, become another film, and then end as another film. So that's that's the other one. It's it's almost these three kind of films. You, you know, you think it's going one way and it doesn't, and that's why I love these both these movies. So I'll do that, and then but but the podcast version I'll go into some plots, some plot moves and and stuff like that. But I won't spoil the ending or anything like that. But yeah, um, I'll uh, I'll have to kind of give some plot reveals away in order to to do that. So my advice is just definitely watch both films and then come back to this show, uh, and then or listen to the podcast anyway, and you won't have that. Um, that issue of uh, the plot reveals, um, giving it away. But again, I won't say the ending, so you're safe there. Cool. So uh, I'll talk about classic horror story first. Now, this is this is an Italian movie that came out. Now, it was released in Italy on the 1st of July this year, but we didn't get it until the 14th. Um, so reasons. Um, <laughs> and uh, the location, the movie talks about that they're on a trip and they're in Calabria. So uh, people not familiar with Italy, the boot shape, Calabria is the toe of the boot. That's that's where the, the story is, is set in. But the actual filming locations are in Bari and Lazio. Lazio is the outer part of the outer region of Rome. So kind of and Bari is on the, facing the coast of the coastline of Croatia and like Yugoslavia. It's facing that way, so it's that side of Italy. If you can imagine Italy in your mind, like that's that's where it's facing. So they're the real film locations. Mm. So it's set in summer. You can tell it's quite warm and and things. So it would have been shot in in July over there. Um, yeah, the creative genius team behind this movie. We've got uh, Roberto Deferlo, uh, Paolo Stripoli, and Lucio Basera Now, all three were a part of the writing uh, of this film. Roberto and Paolo shared the directing role. Uh, they had a co-directing stance. All three of these guys worked on a movie called The Nest, it's an Italian film. It's a short movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know what it's about. Um, because these guys have worked on this, these three guys worked together on this one movie and it won awards, you could tell they gelled. I don't know about them personally enough to know whether their friends offset, but you could tell that they gelled well enough for them to to write well. The characters' dialogues are really good. In this um, and very realistic with the situations that occur and how people would react and such like that so it's a very believable kind of you know uh, behavioral uh, aspect you know what characters would do if they were placed in that kind of situation and what they would say and how they would react so there was that Um, directing wise they were just really good like the cinema photography was extremely creepy uh, and there was some Elements just because of lighting uh, and the colour that they used They kind of really echoed like an Argento um, kind of feel to it So you could tell these guys were like massive fans of, of that But there was also a bit of Brava in there as well And a, a bit of Fauci So you, you can't, uh, you, you, yeah these guys are heavily influenced by these three And you could tell the little little nods here and there throughout the film And and uh, so that's that's good uh, the cast is a bit of a mixed bag, so I'll, I'll go through the cast. So you got Matilda uh, Matilda Lutz, who's Italian. Uh, her she played uh, Elsia, uh, and she's the kind of the main female role in this. Uh, it's more focused on her plight through this movie, um, and everyone else is kind of around her at this time. Francesco Rasso, is he plays Fabrizio, and he's the guy, the young guy who has the 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 camper van, Winnebago, no matter what, d- depending on what country you're watching this in, what what it is, a camper van, a trailer, uh, a motorhome, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. And he's running like this Uber uh, uh, car share service. I don't know if that's a thing in Italy. I don't know if this is just for the sake of the movie, but i tell you, this is probably the only thing and correct me if I'm wrong. The only horror movie that i've seen that involves an uber carpooling and something bad like wolf creek goes down and everyone in this carpooling thing has to live to the end of the film i i haven't seen a film like that but given the environment that we're in now and the fact that we're more you know uh, exposed to uber and ride sharing um uh, facilities i can see more and more horror films now are going to be start are going to start you know introducing this as a as a thing so yeah cool watch this despite it would be interesting um the next actor is pepino marziata he plays ricardo now um i know him from another italian show called inspector motorbano which is an, an italian show about a detective and the police and it's based in sicily it's a really good so it's got a lot of series uh viewers in australia we've got a channel SBS, it was played a lot on SBS, uh, same as you know Inspector Rex, the, the, the Austrian movie about the, about the crime fighting dog like that was that was pretty cool. Um, some of the similar lines to that um, and uh, also books as well. So Inspector Montalbano. So if you're into crime uh, based around Italy, a lot of it not so much mafia related, but there's always you know something mafia related at some stage. Uh, yeah, definitely check out the book as well uh, um, Inspector Montalbano, which is good So, Pepino is one of the characters in Montalbano He's actually got shorter hair uh, Clean shaven And he's is, is got a nicer demeanor as well In this one here uh, Dr. Ricardo uh, Is very uh, is he's, he's dealing with some shit At the same time And that seems to be the theme in this Everyone that's doing this ride share Seems to be dealing with their own situation prior to this rideshare so yeah so that's that's kind of where we come in as audiences with these characters um, we met, we've also got uh, will Merrick I hope I pronounce that correctly <laughs> so will is the English guy um, he's the boyfriend of Sophia who I'm just going to introduce in a minute and uh, so he's traveling to Italy um, with uh, Sophia. You got Sophia, which is played by uh, Yula Sobol, so S O B O L, and her character is. She's, she's, she mentions that she's from Odyssey, which I think is in the Ukraine. Uh, she's Eastern European, but could speak Italian and travel and work through Italy. That's a thing, you know, Eastern Europeans pick up jobs in Italy and they learn fluent Italian and, and you know, vice versa and stuff like that. So, uh, to work, um, you've got, uh, Alida Calabria. Now she plays Kiera, which is the little girl in this, um, Kiera is a really nice name and her character is, is an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was really impressed how that went in, in the movie. That was, that was really good, really good writing. So that's the little girl. And then we got, uh, Christina Donarera who's the mayor now. Christina is a 43-year-old TV and Italian movie veteran. Like well, she's been in cinema since 78, 79. Um, she's in the the Netflix Mafia, which is also in Italian, but it's English dubbed. Is um, uh, Gomorra, which is about the mafia in Napoli, and she's, she's got her character there. So. Uh, it's good that she's got that sinister kind of character going on in this one as well. Um, I've some of the things I've how people would ask, you know, how would you describe this one? I've someone's bantered the term; it's the Italian version of Midsummer, and I agree. I also like to add that this is also I've got some elements of the Village from M Night Shyamalan. Uh, ding dong <laughs> I can't. I still can't say this guy's name. I'm just gonna say M Knight and leave it at that. So yeah, um, everyone can't say my surname, so I'm 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 in solidarity with M Knight on this one. Uh, so yeah, the village for me, that's kind of what the vibe I was picking from this as well. There's also bits of everything. There's some scenes. One scene reminded me straight up of Wolf Creek. Which was all the abandoned cars and all that I was, was, you know, so there's a lot of visual, you know uh, Not necessarily nods I I don't think they just went, oh, I like that I'm going to put that in there It might be a coincidence But um, that's what it, that was the impression it left When it left, you know, that's that's the kind of uh, what I thought um, What I've thought it referred to So cool So classic horror story It starts off uh, with someone you know someone watching someone uh, being a part of the carve up that these three guys do. Uh, these three guys they're hoarded they're hooded gentlemen they've got um, their their masks made of bark and from trees and and they're all carved. they're all certain characters. We get introduced by these characters later on in the film. the folklore around these characters as well. When we get introduced to the characters of the movie um, Like I said, everyone comes onto this motorhome or share riding service with their own emotional baggage And they're all heading down towards this part of Calabria Fabrizio is the guy that's offering this ride sharing service He is a film enthusiast He's a budding kind of film director He's kind of jaded in one conversation that he has with uh, with Mark that you know Italian movie, Italian horror films are shit, and they've been crap for a long time, and I'm the guy that's going to change this. And and I felt like that Roberto Paolo and Lucio are talking through this character, you know, because I kind of agreed with him from the 70s and 80s. Like the 60s and 70s was kind of when Italian horror was really good. Uh, and that's it's and for me personally, Argento was holding the torch on that one. Like that was for the the real kind of mind-bending um, ones. My two favourite is Sorpresa and Profundo Rosso is my two favourite ones. Watching those two movies, I then learnt to really like and follow a music group called Goblin. Uh, so definitely check them out These are the guys that have done some of the music to Argento movies And I tell you, don't turn the lights off and then try to listen to one of their songs Because you won't make it to the end You'll be turning the lights back on pretty quick uh, it's, it's really good I love it when I'm doing my writing I play some Goblin in the background So definitely that's another recommend as well Some really creepy music Check out Goblin from the 70s that's, these, these are the guys that uh, kind of go hand in hand with Argento um, yeah, so I felt Fabrizio's character saying that was echoing the the thoughts and the psyche of Roberto, Paolo and Lucio. And people like me too, like the 60s and 70s was good. Mid-80s, eh, it started to decline and then it just kind of went. That was it after that. We, uh, and one of the characters said, you know, we, we, we started to, I think it was Fabrizio again uh, later on in the film. Uh, was quite annoyed and said we only started to focus on stupid comedies and, you know, Italian uh, movies were just stupid comedies and mafia movies, you know, mafia TV shows and, and that kind of stuff. And he was kind of right. That's that's kind of where Italy went. Uh, and, um, and if we did produce a horror film, it wasn't to that level that it used to be and a lot of people were kind of put off. And then Hollywood came in. And so the Italian audiences would start watching, you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th and, and Nightmare on Elm Street uh, in Italian, you know, uh, or dubbed in Italian. I, I can't speak personally how these films would be presented to the Italian audience, whether it's in English with Italian subtitles or it was dubbed in Italian. I, I don't know. Um, but that's kind of what happened to the Italian horror audience and the fans. We kind of got fed that way. Um, there was one real good horror film I remember watching in the 90s on SBS it was about a vampire that had a castle and he was like when cinema got introduced his new way of getting a blood source in was to um, promote himself as a director and uh, would essentially do a casting couch not that casting couch his casting couch was that he would eat them <laughs> like So you know he'd, he'd lure them in and that kind of stuff So yeah That's that's how it did I, I like the premise of the film I can't remember the film off the top of my head What it was called But I, I liked it And yeah uh, I'll, I'll try and hunt maybe later on for it But yeah I can't remember it off the top of my head right now So Uh, This scenario happens. They're driving through their location where there was, you know, and um, there's an incident at night time. The bus leaves the road, hits a tree, everyone's out kind of thing. Everyone wakes up and comes to and the camper van Winnebago is not on the road. It's in the middle of a clearing of a forest. And that's where we get introduced to the second most creepiest house I've ever seen uh, the first look the first one for me is that all-black house that it's in Salem's lot, uh, Salem's lot um, in Salem the town the, that belonged to the guy that judged everybody uh, committed everybody to to be sentenced as a witch and this house is just completely pitch black it's the most metal house I've ever seen like it's uh, I'd like to replicate and live in that house, but I wouldn't want to live in the original one because there's a lot of paranormal stuff going down on that one, as I can uh, rightly so. Uh, but this house here is is unusual. Like, it is... Man, I, I don't know who came up with the concept of this house, but, you know, clap, clap, 10 out of 10. Like, it's just the most sinister-looking cabin. It's... We, as horror fans, we know when we think of a cabin, we think of uh, Evil Dead uh, in the forest immediately. That's creepy. Is, is right. But when you look at this, this is just something else. Like, it almost looks like a witch's hat, like, and kind of how it's set, and that one kind of window. And it just looks so odd. All the shapes immediately creep you out. Um, so, visually scary. scary. Uh, And and creepy and unnerving So these guys they all wake up They come to, they start moving around They look and there's this house And they're like oh my god So they make their way into the house And start looking around At uh, the furniture And there's pictures on the wall And and the stuff like that And this is kind of where um, We get the, the information About the area And So this is this is kind of where I need to do a, a plot reveal. So, again, if if you haven't seen it, I'd pause it here and come back. And then, yeah, cool. Okay, so we've been forewarned. So, Fabrizio goes into detail about this folk story. Now, that was my alarm bell off about this guy. The first one was the swerve of the van. The second one, and then and I was like, the fuck's he doing? Like, it... Mate, in Australia, if you saw that thing, you'd go fucking straight over it. Like, you wouldn't even stop. Like, like you know, so the fact that they swerved for this thing that was already dead on the ground, uh, you know, yeah, I was like, the hell's this guy doing? Like, and then they crashed and I thought, uh, okay, something, something's going on with this guy. Then when he goes into depth, I was like, okay, we need to watch Fabrizio. On this one, this is. There's something about this guy. He he knows a bit too much about the folk story to to give that. He's just heard it before. Like this is just way too detailed. And so I was thinking, okay, this guy's setting them up. Like that was my vibe from that. Then as the the they go back to the um to the uh to the van and. They, um, in the meantime of this and I forgot to mention Mark was injured in the crash because he was he was driving the thing here, So he's got a compound fracture and Dr Ricardo is looking after him But it's like this guy needs medical attention because, you know, I can't do everything here. We've only got a makeshift splint and, you know, that's that. So him and Fabrizio Go into the forest now. When this happened, I was really worried about Doctor Ricardo because I thought this guy's going to do something like in in the forest. Sure enough, they stumble across this warning, you know, uh, laid out by by the by the people or or the person. It's not really explained who's done it, but clearly more people have been involved in this setup. And you can see, you know, there's fresh pig heads and all that, and it's been—they've just been freshly severed as well. So this is the the ominous warning from the start. And they come back and they're like, "Okay, something's, you know, something's not right about this area. We need to get out of here." But we can't get out of here. You know, what are we going to do? Like, so it creates the tension uh, amongst the characters, you know, who don't know each other. Like, you know, so they're all kind of free. Sun and red light. And we then are introduced to the scariest sound that we all recognize as horror gaming fans, as the siren from Silent Hill. (laughs) So that comes back in with this very ominous... (sighs) So, rightio. So the lights are still red, everyone's like, the hell's going on, Uh, you know... uh, you know, Dr. Ricardo's holding Sophia back. Uh, the three hooded gentlemen have got Mark and they drag him in into the into the uh, into the house onto the table. They place down this device and they start, you know, tying him down and all this kind of stuff and they start cranking this device. And <sighs> Why does it have to be eye trauma? Like, I was just like, well, uh, there's Fulci. Like, I, I was just like, okay, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh my God. So everyone has to sit and listen. Like, that. I think that would be the worst. Uh, that, that would... So the acting at this point of everyone just being terrified, everyone wanting to help and can't, and the helplessness and the hopelessness is captured really well, and it's really gut wrenching at this point. And then, you know, say so Mark, he's gone, and then they just drag him back out again. Like they've got what they needed uh, from the stuff, and that's explained in the in the folk story of, that Fabrizio tells you, but I don't need to say it. So we know if you've seen it uh so that happens and then it's the next day and they and they're like we've got to get out of here like and and I I believe at this point I think this is when the Winnebago is gone like they can't they can't find it and they freak out even further and so they um they split up and start looking around and this is where the character meets up with uh, and meets Kieta uh, and Elsia takes Kiera under her wing, comforts her, that kind of stuff and, and, and you, through visuals, learn that, you know, this is her family This is the diary, she can't speak um, You think due to trauma, but later on it's not the case and, uh, and then, yeah, the visually disturbing thing about this Was the amount of cars that were there and how they were all picked clean. There was just stuff all belonging to this carp thrown in the middle. So ranging from uh, fitness and recreation equipment down to kids' stuff, which I thought was really disturbing. Uh, the windows were all smashed. There was blood all over the interior. I was thinking, "Holy shit!" Like this is the the visual of that was more striking and terrifying than anything else. Uh, and I thought, the you know the, these people. You know, just of, of beyond madness, they're just pure evil. Like this is, and I don't know why they're doing this, like or what their motive is. You know, they've uh, we've heard the motive through for and this little folk story, but still that doesn't make sense. You know, um, so from there we go back and we're finding that they're going around in a circle. Like they haven't left at all. They're just back at the house again, and uh, Ricardo is just losing his shit at Fabrizio at this point because he's just like this guy's sending us back in a circle. So it's almost to this point where I feel Ricardo twigged that Fabrizio must be a part of this, or the kind of the jig was up because that night. Um, uh, and it's all and Fabrizio suggests oh let's you know let's all sleep we'll take it in turns to watch and I'll do it but let's let's all have a drink to keep you know the floors up or whatever the only thing he's got is this beer right he introduces the beer and then everyone takes a swig of this beer and they say you know have one he goes no I've got to I've got to, I'm on watch I've got to keep awake. That was alarm bell too, for me, on that one. I was thinking, uh, this guy's, fuck, he's a part of it. Like, he's, and I was like, no, don't drink it. And they drink it, and I was like, fuck. And sure enough, it's red again. And guess what? The siren's back. <laughs> like, so we're just like, shit, okay. Here we go. She's looking around, there's no one. Like, she's like, the hell's everybody gone? Like, Elsia, sorry. So she goes down, she opens the front door, runs out the front of the house and goes, Ah, shit. And the whole villaggio, as you would say in Italian, is out in, <laughs> out there in front of this makeshift uh, altar. Um, they've got their three uh, Sacrifices. Sacrofegia on the altar there and uh, at this point I was like are they going to take her and put her on there or because in the back of this thing you've got this giant you know made of sticks kind of man. And that immediately was like, that's a nod to The Wicker Man with Christopher Lee. Now, check that one out. That's from the 70s. There's a remake that was done with Nicolas Cage. I'm not saying it's shit. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I just prefer the 70s one with Christopher Lee way better. Uh, and so definitely check it out. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. I'm not going to gatekeep you on that. I'm just going to recommend that you check it out and you'll, you'll love it. So that's good. So anyway, uh, that was definitely a nod for me to the Wicker Man. Um, So that I thought that was good, just how they were set up, just the design, how they set up one character and imprisoned them into this thing. I just thought was I haven't, I haven't really seen that. Like it reminded me of the cocoon from Aliens, but it didn't, or other bit, kind of like um, you know a horror movie involving an insect where someone's kept in a cocoon and webbed up like that that it was almost that kind of shape and that character's head was sticking out um i thought that was that was um unusual but the you know the the ritual kicks off alicia's got no choice but to watch and they take their their pieces that they need for this ritual Again, I'm not going to say it because you've already heard it. You know, da, 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 and they create what they need to create, which is even more creepier. To me, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know how this ritual would help them eat. I've got no idea. Like, and then that's it. Uh, the the thing's over. She runs back in into the into the house uh, and it's with Fabrizio, and he's like, "Oh, you know, hold me and stay with me," and I'm scared and all this. And i'm just like nah like this guy's full of shit. like at this point they're in the attic right and she kind of starts to twig that something's not right with Fabrizio at all uh, and while she's hugging him because he says i'd oh, be with me and hug me and all that that's kind of where he stuffs up like um I don't know, and, I've, and I forgot to mention this, but throughout this thing, he's got this, and he mentions it at the start, and that's my bad that I didn't introduce this as my Fabrizio character. He's got a hearing piece in there because he reckons some guy's smacked his head into a wall, you know, uh, and it's affected his hearing. This is actually a freaking earpiece, and it's it's saying, you know, oh, I'll bring, bring her outside and, and all this kind of stuff, and she can hear it when she starts to hug him. And she kind of goes, shit. And there's the the, the plot. Hang on. This guy uh, isn't who he says he is. And uh, and there you go. So, kind of gives it away. And, um, yeah. So, the... Uh, and that's where the, the film... This is where the film goes into another movie altogether. Like, it's... And what I mean by that is... It's the... Swing around where the the victim becomes the hunter, like in in this scenario here. So the plot's kind of revealed, and uh, yeah, she gets she gets captured. They take her, um, and uh, you kind of start to see that this was. Uh, she wakes up. She's at the table with everyone. And they're having a big feast, a big meal. And right at the end of the table, she's there. At the other end of the table is uh, is the mayor, is uh, played by Christina. And she's there, you know, flapping her fan. And there's this kid, and he's just rattling off songs about the region, about the folk story of the three hooded men. You know, as the song progresses, and you see this kid more and more, you see one side of his face, and then he starts to turn around, and you see the other side. And then I thought, okay, that's kind of your nod to the hills have eyes kind of thing, and 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 that kind of, you know, they're kind of. uh, Do I say inbred? I I don't know. I I was I was kind of I was thinking, yeah, like I was, uh, it could be. I don't think it is chemical or anything like that so i'm leaning more that it's it's inbred inbredness that led him to be like that like the deformity but anyway i'll go with that so there's there's that so there's that kind of shock reveal uh, in that one and then the mayor goes into her spiel about and the explanation why they do what they do um the only critical thing I've got to say at this point is I don't understand that because there's no there's no reason logically why you would isolate yourself completely that much, uh, and I'm talking about the whole villaggio as well was is on board with this. Like I obviously if there's people in the village that disagreed with it, they would have been taken care of for sure, right? i didn't understand the connection between somehow this is her being hardline with the mafia in that area and I, d- I didn't get that bit like and i watched it again i still didn't get it so obviously that's just me being a dumbass like i didn't picture i didn't click what they meant by that because to me i was like it it, it wouldn't fly um because the there's that kind of was a bit everywhere on that one. So I kind of let that one go through the keeper. I thought, look, I don't get it, I don't get it. But the rest of the film was all right, so I'm not going to rage quit because of that reason. So um, you get your info explanation on that part and the madness of it anyway. It's a mad explanation because they're all fucking batshit. Like, really, um, there's there's no logical, uh, r- real reason why they're doing it and then uh, the the police car comes and she just casually walks off because she's thinking, oh yeah, you know so there's that moment, Elsie's thinking, oh my god, thank god the cops are here, like, wow you know, I'm saved, and then she just casually walks over to the cop car, gets in and they drive off, and there's that gut-wrenching thing of, the cops are in on it now, like, you know they know what's going on, so that's why no one reports anyone missing, or it can be Kind of swept under the carpet, uh, the carpet, and that's why this, you know, Villaggio can go on uh, doing what they're doing unstopped. Uh, so, anyway, as she gets wheeled away, she gets wheeled into another kind of porter house, you know, like houses on stilts kind of thing, like a. And it's just all these screens, and this is where the other reveal of the film is uh and i was thinking what the fuck? Like at this point i was like oh my god this movie's gone in another direction as well so it goes into another direction that way and there's that kind of spill about what's going on uh in that and she's being picked and she's like okay so and this way she's talking with fabrizio we get the idea of what the whole racket is that, that What he is in this What his role is in this And uh, and stuff So she lays some You know Some uh, hurtful uh, Truth bombs About his filmmaking skills <laughs> Like that kind of sets him off And he really is a nutcase Like like you know She just lays these things out And he fucking flips out And then they go. he goes back to the trailer And he's talking to someone And you're like Who is he talking to? Like and that's when the other kind of crack reveal is. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, and at this point, I was like, I'm owning this movie. This is, this is, fuck, this is brilliant, right? So she, you know, the character's kind of laying into to him about that. And, and it's this total role reversal. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, holy crap. Anyway, at this point here, um, Elsie... Uh, Frees herself, um, in the in a very gut wrenching way, and uh, goes out and looks around and finds the rifle and uh, starts the mute. And I thought, here we go, here we go. Like this is this is it's the the victim becomes the hunter. Here we go. Like there's been a lot of that theme uh, with movies lately. Ready or not, the hunt. You know, it there seems to be this. You know, the female grabs a gun and goes, "Right, let's sort some fuckers out." <laughs> like, and I love it. I think it's great. This film kind of does a nod to that, and uh, she uh, she goes about sorting out uh, some characters, and uh, yeah, in some particular fantastic fashion, which I'm not going to share. Like, I think that's really really good how how it kicked off. Um, and. Yeah, Then she wanders off And then she sees uh, The uh, the Kid with the floaties Now in the preview You see this kid and I was Thinking oh, he must be one of the Either a survivor Of these mad people And he's running for his life To he's a part Of the village and he's running For his life from her uh, Didn't Expect this part though. So, this is what I said again breaks off, becomes another film altogether. Like, and I was like, this movie's brilliant. Really, like, and it, it, I did not pick this at all. Like, it, it completely had me to the end. And you know, I was just like almost standing ovation, you know, in the lounge room uh, of the crypt here because I was like, fuck, this I've never had a horror film do this like in a long time. She goes through the fence. You can see it says Militaria, so it's a part of the army. Go, okay, what's going on here? And then uh, uh, it's that's kind of where that's, for me, the village M-Light Shyamalan. Oh, I almost said it. I think I said it right. I'm, okay, I'm just going to continue on. I think I fluked it. <laughs> uh, that's that's where that kind of comes in. And it uh, runs to the beach, and that's where I'm going to stop. Because I was just like, "Holy crap! This is brilliant! Like, this is brilliant!" At that point, so uh, at that point, I was like, "I've got to own this film. This is this is just genius." So, if you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen this and you've continued to watch this, I hope I've I've explained the movie without cracking some. Major plot spoils, Uh, but you know, like I said, I have pro warned you, so I've kind of washed my hands on that one, and uh, yeah, so this movie, man, fantastic. Uh, Roberto, Paolo, and Lucio, va bene, va bene. Like, what a fantastic film, really, really good, and it's the reason why Mi Piaggio Cinema de Oro. So, which is why I love horror films So, there you go, well done So, I'm going to now move on to uh, Blood Red Sky So, I'm just going to go check in my baggage And then I'll be right back And I'll be joining you on the flight So, stay tuned until then Hi, and welcome back to part 2 of Blood Red Sky So, this is uh, the second part of the the show. Um, this is exclusively covering the fantastic new vor- horror vampire film *Blood Red Sky* uh, from Germany, uh, directed by Peter Thombarth, Tom Thomvath. Thomvath. Uh, he was. He created a, a German short film with the writer of *Blood Red Sky* as well, St- Stefan Holtz, called *Boom Bang*. Sorry, Bang Boom Bang. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that again. That was a tongue twister. Uh, both of those guys work together on a film So again, an underlying theme, like classic horror story These guys have worked together, they gel well And that reflects well in this movie Because it's well written, well directed as well And the, and the casting and the dialogue was spot on in this So it goes to show you if you've got a decent friendship Or a decent uh, teamwork involved You can really come out with a quality kind of film And um, the, it was filmed in the Czech Republic It's a German movie uh, and the part of Czechoslovakia, like it was at the end anyway, where they landed, there was a lot of British-style vehicles and all that sort of look. So, it was to make it look like they had landed uh, in the UK um, for the, for the reason of the of the film, but it was actually filmed in the Czech Republic. Um, I have a, a bit of an info factoid that I actually learnt from. Um, uh, Gavin in the woods is that if you, uh, from Jonathan or John, uh, when you if you're a German and you film a, a German film outside of uh, Germany, um, you it's uh, it's like a I don't know if it's a tax break, but the government pays you the the person to film outside, so it's a bit of an incentive. Given it's the Czech Republic, and I don't mean this in any disrespect whatsoever, it would be quite budget-friendly uh, to film, I can imagine, in the Czech Republic. No different than uh, in America. Atlanta is, is the place, I believe, where it's pretty decent. A lot of films get, and the TV shows are filmed in Atlanta for the same reason. So um, it's no disrespect at all. you just got to go where you're going to get a quality location. But... You know, you don't have to fork a million bucks out or over that to, to get it So, yeah, that's what I mean The cast for this uh, was was really... The, the Actually, the other interesting thing about this movie too Was when it was filmed, it was actually shot in 2017 uh, It finished wrapping in 2018, mid-2018 We didn't get to see it until now I don't know why uh, uh, what, what was the reason for the hold-up on that one uh, it was pre-COVID, so I don't know whether it was the release was right when COVID kicked off and it got prolonged. I'm saying that may have be, be, been an issue, but I'm not 100% sure. But uh, we've got it now, and that's it. It is what it is. Um, the cast in this was broke. So you've got Perry Brunmeister, who plays Nadia. Uh, she's a German actress uh, You'd know her from the TV show also on Netflix called Last Kingdom uh, About, you know, um, Vikings I was going to say vampires No, it was about Vikings uh, Set in England, that kind of period uh, You've got Carl Anton Koch who is plays Elias um, He's the young boy, 10 years old, quite talented He's done two films, this is his second movie Like, he's, he's doing quite well for himself uh, The agents are pitching him as, you know... Um, He's, he's, you know, he speaks his German, of course, native German, quite well, but he's very fluent in English, which is is, is his kind of throwing point now. So keep an eye on this kid. He's going to pop up on other stuff. He was brilliant, uh, especially with the real emotional stuff at the end. Um, uh, fantastic uh, work there, and um, very did better than adults, the, the emotional stuff with that. Uh, and then we've got Caius Setti, so it's spelled S-E-T-T-I. I'm not sure if he's German-Italian or Austrian-Italian. Um, he has that feature. Um, IMDb, no info whatsoever on this guy. I tried to look high and low, couldn't really grab anything, So, which is a, a shame. He's a really good actor as well. He plays Farid. Uh, he's a um, Middle Eastern uh, scientist, like a German Middle Eastern Scientists going on to fly to, I think America is where they're going And they're going to a, um, he's going to a conference, scientific conference His character is a really good one as well Him and Elias kick it off pretty easily um, One, physically helping him with some bags at stump stage And two, through a discussion Elias does this explanation to him with a basketball about how the sun works and the, and the thing This scientist could have been an arrogant dickhead and shot him down saying, I'm a scientist kid, like, you know, he didn't. He actually, and he wasn't patronising how he humoured him either. Like, he said, well done, great presentation. Right there and then I said, this guy is a fantastic character uh, and a great personality as well. And so immediately as a viewer, you get attached and you get invested in Nadia, Elias and Farid. And there's a very good reason for that. Because once they get onto the plane, that's when the Nordic terrorists uh, come out. And great thing as well, the terrorists aren't of uh, Middle Eastern origin, which is great. Uh, I was kind of a bit of a sigh of relief there. Thank God they went a different way, which was really good too. Um, they're white uh, and they have their own agenda. What they decided to do, it was because to make it look... In the environment that we live in now, they jigged it to make it look like uh, Middle Eastern people had jacked the plane Uh, And so, which I just thought, you know, that's how these pieces of shit work really Um, And these terrorists are played by Dominic Parcell Now Dominic Parcell was born in the UK, but lived in Australia So he's got his Australian accent, Um, he was in The Flash um, he played Heatwave, I think in The Flash And he was in Prison Break, that's when I first got introduced to him uh, And then we've got Chidi Ajuto who, who is, He plays Kurtz, he's the uh, African actor in this uh, He was in Doom and he was also recently in the UK gangster flick The Gentleman uh, He was in that one uh, we've got Roland Muller who's a Danish actor He plays Carl and we know him from Skyscraper with uh, The Rock um, At- Atomic Blonde And The Commuter with um, Liam Nielsen um, Alexander Schroel is a uh, plays the character 8ball And he's done a lot of German TV show and a lot of German movies He's quite well... Acclaimed in Germany for his style of acting. I can see why. This guy was a fucking loose unit. (laughs) Like. He's. When he. He played one character really well. And then when there was this reveal. And he just flicked the switch. And I think if you you see. If you see. If you've seen the movie. You know what I mean. Like when, when it's revealed. Oh the terrorists are here. He flicks the switch. And you're just like like because he's he acted that well like his character acted something that well that you know and i was just like oh my god like the freaking layers in this movie uh uh so 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 well so i was like okay this this guy's a phenomenal actor like he i hated him at this point and that's how good of an actor he is and he stood out like to out of the other actors Funnily enough, as this movie goes on, he stands out from the other terrorists. The other terrorists start to separate themselves from him, saying, You're a fucking psycho. We don't want nothing to do with you. What's wrong with you? Like, are you nuts? Like, they start to separate from him, because he is a force of his own, this guy. Just a pure evil force of his own. Uh, And it's terrifying to watch, but you admire it at the same time. Like, his acting skills, and you're just like, Fuck, this... Is a villain like uh, spot on. Lee Van Cleet in *The Good, Bad, and the Ugly* delivered the the evil man all in black with his sinister laugh and his face and how he acted. That's a villain. This guy's also a villain as well. Take take notes if you if you want to be a villain in a in a, in a play or you want you're a budding actor and you have to play a role of being a villain. Take notes on this guy Uh, and um, yeah, plane takes off and we're kind of getting um, the phenomenal thing about this movie is that is how to do an info dump. So take notes on how to info dump in the middle of a film because this is how you do it. It's done in bite sized little pieces. It doesn't overwhelm you, but more importantly, it doesn't throw you off. Like when you come back to the film and where you're at with the characters and what you're watching. The way they've done it is they waver in and out following Nadia. Now, when they do it, they do it when Nadia is waving in and out of consciousness, which is which I thought was really handy. How they did that or when she zones out, you then become her memory. And I thought that was really well shot and really well designed in that one. And I thought that was brilliant. And again, take notes. That's how you do it. Because when she wavers back into consciousness again and you're back in front of her as the viewer, you know where you're at. But you're not thrown out of the rest of the film. So that's why I thought that was phenomenal and that was really important. So really well done uh, with you know Peter and, and uh, Stefan, the writing and director on that one. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, the thing kicks off, the terrorists take over, an incident kicks off, and she gets shot. Uh, and, And in doing so, because she's dying, like I said, you wave her in and out. And this is where, as the viewer, we get to see what and how she became the vampire. In the trailer to this movie, you know she becomes a vampire. In the trailer of the movie, you know she gets shot. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a spoiler. Unfortunately, the trailer. It's getting to the point now where I don't watch trailers anymore because they're really starting to put all the good shit in the trailer, and you've thrown it off. Or what? What happens in the trailer doesn't even happen in the film. Like you're waiting for this to happen and then nothing and you're just like the oh, fuck what? it's so annoying and um anyway so it is what it is the little one about to say right this is how she became the the vampire what happened to her in that scenario we see that Elias is a baby when it happens so then you start to realize hang on a minute she's lived like this for ten years, like, and and you think, why would she live? Like, how does she not flip out and eat the kid? Like, at some stage, all is revealed in another info dump, correctly placed when it's supposed to be placed. So again, clap clap, Peter and Stefan on that one, because I was thinking, hang on a minute, why wouldn't she just flip out like at some stage? And yes, like, there's nothing holding her back at all. There's a further incident down in the re, in the flashback, which I'm not going to talk about. And in this particular flashback, it's then explained why you get... Why she's like, hang on, I don't want this situation who happened to these other people be my situation. Where someone else will come along and then would have to kill Elias. Uh, and so with this mentality is why she hangs in there uh, and does everything she can to not feed on her kid, like uh, and to protect him at all cost and keep him human at all cost. So in this 10 year period, He's grown up with his mum being like this. He's seen her with the fangs out and you know, losing her shit and all this kind of stuff and having to drink blood out of trays of meat and all that kind of stuff to kind of waver this thing back. And in one plot reveal, you see where she gets these vials that keep her human as much as possible. So that's all revealed in a very well-placed info dump as well. So we move forward and we're now on the plane, the terrorists take over, they shoot her, she then turns at that point. Uh, And so she's like, right, I need to protect my son from the terrorists. So she's holding back her vampire self only when she has to unleash it to protect herself or protect her son or protect someone in the plane. Right, so that's how she's been doing it. In the flip side of this, at the same time, Eight Ball is starting to realise. Like they, um, they capture her, they take her down. She kills one of the terrorists. It's now game on. These guys are going ahead with their plan. They're about to dive out. They realise, hang on, we're one guy down. They start putting two and two together. The confrontation happens. They see her, and all the jig is up. They know. That she's some kind of creature something's gone down eight balls like and just as as a psychopathic evil person would he just recognizes her as a vampire all cash completely cash oh yeah she's a vamp. everyone's like looking at him going are you fucking serious like, like what are you talking about he goes she's a vampire like and proceeds to <laughs> Sharpen this hockey stick into a stake, Like, and I'm just like, only a cold-blooded psycho would have that mentality of I'm on a plane I'm evil, you're evil But guess what? It's a plane It ain't big for both of us I've got to have to knock you out Like, because I'm the most evil thing here That was how he thought And that's why I was impressed with 8Ball again as a villain He's just that cold like, he goes, Sorry, this plane's not big enough for the both of us. Like, uh, I don't care if you're a vampire. Uh, so he goes into, I'm going to kill the vampire mode. While the other guys are grappling mentally with this thing, he's just, that, ju- that just shows you how detached as a psycho, as a human being, of like how psycho sociopathic this guy is. Uh, and he just sees there is another obstacle. Like, uh, and that's it. So really well-written character there. So he goes up, he goes to confront her, and uh, then he does something that I wasn't expecting him to do. And I was like, shit, he is another level of villain. This guy is another level. And, And it's the reason why he's kind of socially isolated from the other terrorists as well, because, you know, he does this certain thing. I'm not going to talk about it. I was just like, "Fuck!" Like, and that puts him in the game as one of the vampires. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, this is this is bad because uh, even though she's turning and has turned into the vampire and is doing what she's doing, she hasn't targeted any passengers at all, right? And the, on the offset of this drama, too, you've got passengers that are in a panic situation, and out of a group, guaranteed psychology, you're gonna get two or three. They're gonna break off and not follow what they're meant to do. Case in point, what dickheads are doing now in the in the lockdown and in isolation. Instead of isolating and putting a mask on, they're fucking running around uh, the streets, cracking a mental. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna. That's my point. I'm gonna move on. It's that same mentality. You're just gonna have those one, two, or three that are just not gonna fucking toe the line, and and puts everyone at risk. Like immediately because they want to break off and either bigger hero or they're trying to save their own ass and fuck everyone else. That's that's how these guys are. So because of these, also these passengers, certain events kick off other events, and it goes to shit. Right? And like every disaster terrorist film ever ever really um so their actions end up uh causing a lot of grief for everyone else on the plane and also the main characters for nadia elias and farid so eight ball decides oh well yep can't be him, join him, become more uh, something stronger than than what I am, and so he does his bit, and uh, he there's a confrontation between him and and uh, Nadia. You think it goes well, but due to a plane safety mechanism, it doesn't quite work. The plane was there, but it it didn't work, and which makes it worse. And then he is released out onto the plane because of a passenger and. That's it. That's where it all goes to shit from there. So anyway, with um, with that, we then carry on and we find that um, the rest of the guys now have to combat multiple issues. The leftover terrorists who are now have turned the passengers who are now turning and. There was one funny bit, and it made me laugh out loud. And I don't know if it was done on purpose or a, a thing, but it cracked me up was the best line. She's running through Now, she looks straight out like a female version of fucking Nosferatu, right? And the passengers have seen, and they are losing their shit. Like, they've been held by a terrorist. And now this vampire thing is running down the thing, and they are fucking, like, parting the Red Sea. Like, <laughs> all the crowd is just jumping to the left and right of each other to get out of the way Farad, farad's behind him and he's yelling it's okay she's with us <laughs> like it's like you know thank god one of the vampires is on our side i thought it was just hilarious uh and uh it just it kind of like i said i don't know if it was done as a comedic kind of quick comedic relief or what but it just made me crack up i thought it was the best line it was so funny and uh, so she runs through and, uh, and they're, they're trying to work out how to land this plane, you know, put it off autopilot, all this kind of stuff. It's automatically flying to its location. So, you know, I don't know if that's a real life uh, thing with pilots that they do set that in case something like this happens. The plane automatically flies to its destination. I, I don't know. But that's what's happening in this film anyway. So, um, the objective there is now what Elias has to do, what Farid has to do, and what Nadia has to do. And I'm not going to explain that here on the show. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, And so, everyone knows what they have to do. The underlying issue, however, of this is that 8-Ball is loose and he's now freaking mangan on everyone and the other terrorists are mangan on everyone so this plane is turning 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 into more of the undead on this plane So and they turn some some have died have been killed outright and and but some others have turned so when this plane starts to approach uh the airport um The the plane's pretty much consumed and um, there's Elias in the cargo hold with his mum and the other vamps, he's got the detonator, and, you know, that's where we're at with that. And, you know, this is where the emotional side came in and this is where it really hit my wife. Now, I forgot to mention, my wife doesn't watch horror films at all. And she came and sat down and joined to watch this with me and i was a bit nervous because it's 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 one a horror film it's nighttime, it's about vampires i was worried about her getting nightmares and you know because she doesn't watch horror films whatsoever uh and i was really nervous about this and i was like look you know it's a bit scary like you know you might not like it. it could be graphic you know and you know to her credit she watched it she really liked this movie and now if this is anything to go by as why you need to watch this movie and why this film was fantastic is that someone who does not like horror loved it there's your, there is your recommendation right there she was quite emotional at the end and and that's how brilliant and well written this was that stefan the writer could make my wife who doesn't watch horror films completely so emotionally attached to Nadia and Elias as their as their the father uh, as their mother and son relationship that when this stuff starts to happen at the end of the movie it's just really it just had my wife you know you know really invested and uh, really emotional and could feel the love between the two of them even though she was turning at this point Um, And she was hanging onto this, you know, vampire side for so long uh, And really trying to still keep her human Nadia side But that was slowly starting to slip away now And and she can't stay on top of it anymore Um, And so, you know, he knows what he has to do But at the same, you know, and she knows what she has to do And it still doesn't make it easier Like, and because you really care for... And even Farid, you really care for all these guys, go- and you're just like, oh my god, right? So, the plane, as we see at the start of the film, lands at the airport, and the snipers are, are, are fixed onto um, the cockpit where Farid is. So, from their point of view, they're looking at Farid in this cockpit, and, and they're just automatically going terrorist. Like, now, the, the reason why they did the terrorists do something specifically for a reason and they get them to read something out. And that's why the ground crew is under the assumption it's Middle Eastern terrorists. It's not like, oh yeah, he's got dark skin, he's a terrorist. It's not like that at all. These other white terrorists have jigged it so well uh, that they've made it look like that. So that's that's why, um, because really the uh some of the phenomenal heroic acts done on this plane are done by Farid and another Middle Eastern character and I forgot his name uh, the character's name but he he does something that for a moment uh, you know saves people for, for for this period of time so it, it really shows like they, they the writer and director really went out of their way. To kind of socially point out, you know, that as a society now, unfortunately, due to these horrible terrorist acts, we automatically go the um, the Islamic terrorist thing, rather than that it could be white extremists as well, or uh, any other nationality of any other color could be a terrorist too. So that was kind of the underlying little thing in there. So it was like a social observation So when you're seeing this military surrounding the thing You don't really blame them Because they're going on the information that they've got Right? Then at the same time for in the cockpit yelling that there's monsters inside the plane Now, I mean, what, what are you like? If you don't know what's going on And you're, you're just going to think, what the fuck? Like, you know, this guy's snapped Like he's mentally snapped like, and we've got to approach this hostage situation uh, carefully. So that's so you kind of get where they're coming from, the the military and all that. Yeah, so you don't think, oh, yeah, these guys are like, you know, thumping racists. They're following a protocol, like what to do with the terrorist situation, what to do with a hostage situation. And this guy who they think is the, the hostage taker is rambling about, monsters on a plane so you're thinking this guy's just completely snapped um, so that creates its own level of tension as well and and you say so the movie kind of feels like it ends at that point where the kid's taken away like you know you know he gets rescued that kind of stuff and like that but they haven't boarded the plane yet Like And you're thinking okay where's it going to go Then they start boarding the plane Now this part of the film Reminded me of an Italian movie called City of the Dead At the start it was in the 70s I think 79 or 78 And there's a plane and the zombies are inside the plane The military circle this plane they're about to go on And the zombies pile out and start killing everyone That's kind of what it reminded me of I don't know if Peter or Stefan had seen this movie, and that was the kind of nod or the vibe that they gave out. But that was to me, my, what it reminded me of. Uh, so check it out. Look, it's not the best movie in the world. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's the, the greatest. It is what it is. I I'd liked it, but I don't love it. Um, and but that's if you if you want something that inspired, you know, this airline situation that would be it um, they open up they enter the plane and uh, they're like oh my god and there's just bodies everywhere and blood everywhere so they think it's a bloodbath that they've you know killed all the ter- all the hostages uh, and so you know they're going through suddenly all the vamps jump up and it's just you know it's a free-for-all the visual that we see, you see some vampires jumping on some soldiers, but you don't really see what the visual, um, you know, powerful visual that you see is when the um, the kid is running to the plane. And you see the gun flashes like all throughout the whole entire plane. From the left to the right. You see and it's all in all different directions. You just see flash, 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 flash. And you don't hear it. You just see the flashing. So you know that all the soldiers are freaking out. They're all shooting everywhere to to save themselves and to shoot whatever is attacking them. So that's visually you know, powerful uh, there. And um, so he's running to the thing. You see a shadow. There's a moment where you see this. Thing. I'm actually going to stop here because I'm going to give it away. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, I actually decided it's better if I stop here. Because if I continue on, I am going to spoil it. Um, so I'll leave it there. Um Farid is on the truck. He sees the kid and is like, oh my God, I'm with him. Like, you know. And uh, so he starts calling out to to him, um, and they the soldiers let him go, and he runs to the to the kid uh, to be with um, uh, Elise um, as well. And like I said, that's where I'm going to stop because I, if I, I, yeah, calculating quickly how the how the film ends. If I go any further, I'm going to I'm going to spoil it. So if you haven't seen it, I haven't spoiled it. So. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, Blood Red Sky on that one. So, two and inf- two really impressive movies. So, when, when this movie ended, it, it had me thinking like I was looking at the credits, I was looking at who made this film, who was behind this movie. I was just so impressed that it made me want to look at all the names, the people that were involved in this, the behind the scenes people as well, you know, your sound and. Your vision and special effects, and you know, and I was like, "What a phenomenal bunch of people! Like, really well done." The acting, even the guys that played, ter- they they did really, really well. Like, every it was a casted well, it was directed well, it was written well, and and that's why it was really great. So you know, I'm not really into the network, the Netflix kind of uh, thumbs up uh, thing, but yeah, you gotta you gotta do it. Like, it's Holy smokes like it's 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 really really good really really good so there you have it anyway uh, Classic Horror Story and Blood Red Sky two international films that have just recently been released on Netflix both blew my little socks off really both impressive I hope you really enjoyed them uh, as well Um, I'm going to now be talking about this as a podcast So I'll be going into a little bit more explanation on stuff. So, like I said, um, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. If you've gone this far and you haven't seen it, I haven't really... I've given you a wrap of what's going on, but I haven't really divulged a lot of other stuff as well, deliberately. Uh, And that's just to really kind of help you... Uh, get those um, little reveals that uh, that I enjoyed as well But uh, hopefully you took my advice and stopped And watched the movie and then came back to it If you didn't, that's okay But, you know, uh, kind of forewarned you on that one The podcast, however, will go into a bit more depth uh, And explain a few more things uh, as well So I hope you enjoy uh, that too Cool, so with that um, Soon I'll be doing another special episode uh, So I'm very looking forward to uh, sharing that with, with everybody uh, That was kind of organised uh, in between this episode um, on the fly So yeah, they'll be getting done soon So I enjoy. hope you enjoy that And can't wait to share it and advertise it with you uh, In the meantime yeah, definitely check these two movies out. I hope there's other been other horror films that you've checked out in the meantime that you've been enjoying. I'm going to do a bit more Shudder at the moment. Um, and so I'm going to be going through some uh, Shudder movies. And hopefully I can find some that have impressed me enough to make me do a review again. Like I said, I'm benched until <laughs> until this Saturday. So I've got a bit more time. So maybe I might uh, end up having a bit of free time and doing another episode to be released uh, at another time. So all good. Hope everyone is uh, going okay. Um, I just wanna keep this opportunity to to say that uh, you're not alone, even though we are kind of isolating and, and that does make it harder when you're not physically connecting with people. And so just uh, make sure you know that you're not alone. You can you can contact me if you wanted just to chinwag about movies, really, if, if anything. Um, and it doesn't have to be about horror films. I, I like all kinds of uh, movies as well. Uh, you can feel free to write to me, message me. Uh, I'm on the Facebook group. Uh, you can message me there. Uh, you can message uh, me or uh, DM me on Instagram at Adelaide Horror Podcast. Uh, you can... Uh, yeah, or listen to the podcast shows. Um, I haven't really got any feedback on the podcasts, so I, I'm assuming people are hearing that. But uh, I can see through their analytics that I'm getting downloaded kind of all over the world, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's 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 cool. I'm going to go through and see internationally who's who's been listening. But yeah, that's really great as well. Um, and, yeah, the YouTube channel where this vlog is, you know, um, I've got about 26 views. I'd, I'd, I'd like that to be a bit higher with the subscribers. So, please, you know, if you haven't already subscribed, just subscribe. Uh, give a video the like as well, which you have been doing, which is great. Um, and, yeah, just keep that up. Uh, that's good as well. And, um, yeah, cool. I've also put up now the These Are The Numbers for the health lines that if you are watching this you are in Australia you are struggling um please you, you know you're not alone and um it, it is it is harder for other people um some people might be doing okay other people may not be doing okay or I'll have to feel um, that they're putting on a show for other people uh, that they're living with so please you know these are the numbers uh, don't feel shy contact somebody um, and uh, yeah there's definitely help out there um, and or like I said if you if you're comfortable and you just you know, talking about films helps you um, you know don't don't be a stranger feel free to contact me um, as well okay no worries so thank you very much everyone um, again. Two great films that really impressed me, and I hope they impressed you too. And um, yeah, so stay scary, and I'll see you.